From the 1011 Now streaming studio in Lincoln, Nebraska, this is the End Report Husker Show. Hello and welcome everyone to the 1011 Now streaming studio for another edition of the End Report Husker Show. I'm Bill Rentschler, joined by sports director Kevin Suits and sports reporter Chase Madison on what has been an extremely busy Tuesday. I'm going to say this was the busiest press conference day of the year for Husker Athletics. Drinking from a fire hose is what today was. <laughs> we, again, we heard from Rule yesterday, but today started with Amy Williams, women's basketball coach. We had Fred Hoiberg. I didn't see Jamarcus Lawrence, but I heard he was there. He was there. Uh, we had John Cook. We had offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield. We had defensive coordinator Tony White. And then four or five players. So what do you want to know? There was a lot of ground what do you want covered. To, what do you want to talk about? Uh, well, I think the one thing I do want to do right off the bat, just because this was one of my favorite things from this weekend, I want to pull up this Timmy Bleak Road tweet. Because this, this is what he sent out right after the game. And this is what he was going to be working on in drills. Because that fake field goal he had, he was high knees away from putting it in the end zone and i saw that and i just thought it was it was quality stuff and i wanted to get it in the podcast so so there it is high knees i'd say the new best thing you saw was for those folks that haven't seen it or heard about it sam hoiberg posted a video with the start of (laughs) nebraska basketball practice where he is uh, heading to practice and then he goes into uh, a dance routine and it is completely in line with Fred Hoiberg's <laughs> Dance Routine Infinity commercial where he does it in a velour suit. This was many years ago when he was the head coach at Iowa State. And so his son now pulls off the exact same routine. Fred was asked about it today. Uh, he jokingly said that Sam got his moves from his mom. He did. And that when Fred did it, it took him many, many takes, and he was sweating like crazy. Four hours in choreography while Jamie Dixon and Fran McCaffrey were sitting sitting in the other room drinking coffee and eating donuts. So, and his son pulls it off in one take. One take, yeah. So, so that was great. So if you're looking for the fun, lighthearted moments of Husker Athletics, you have two of them right there. Yeah, you can find uh, that soundbite from Fred as well as the video from Sam, uh, again, on the 1011 <laughs> Twitter X account, whatever. Whatever it is nowadays, but uh, down to down to the the more serious stuff. Uh, again, rule yesterday uh, basically came out and said quarterbacks is still a wait and see. Uh, Satterfield today, uh, Chase was basically saying Harburg went yesterday. He was 100 percent, and he still kind of made it seem like Sims is not quite 100 percent yet. So, kind of sounds like we're in the same place we were the last two weeks. And if you read between the lines, Marcus Satterfield said that Heinrich, he's good to go. Um, both guys are practicing this week. But he did say in there that Jeff Sims still is not quite 100%. He did. I don't think there is any chance Nebraska rolls out a quarterback against a team as physical as Michigan or highly rated as Michigan. They are number two. That is not of full health. So I would say all signs point to Heinrich Harburg starting this Saturday at Memorial Stadium. Would you agree or disagree with that statement, Chase? Yeah, um, I would have to agree. I think, you know, Satterfield's comments um, kind of pointed a little bit more direction. I think uh, Rule yesterday, just because Rule's going to say, you know, because he gives his players Mondays off, I'm going to wait till we see them, right? Uh, which just leaves a lot, of, um, a lot of questions, right? But 
Marcus Satterfield was able to kind of pinpoint a little bit more that, you know, Sims is not 100% go. He did have some interesting takes about Harburg, saying that Harburg kind of runs tougher than Sims. Um, also kind of, I was a little bit surprised him saying that Harburg actually needs to get more in shape. Um, surprised me, but uh, overall, I think the that Marcus Satterfield kind of pointed in the direction that Heinrich Harburg is going to be the guy to go this weekend. Uh, whether or not Sims gets more healthy. And the one thing, the other thing uh, we heard from Rule yesterday is that Reimer um, still questionable. We're still not 100% sure on Luke Reimer. Again, he kind of came out of the game with a little bit of a stinger. Um, and again, kind of wait and see mode on Luke Reimer. Again, one of the key cogs in that Husker defense. Yeah, Luke Reimer will be questionable. Uh, it sounds like it's 50-50 for him whether he's going to play or not. Uh, this is a buckle-up-your-chin-strap kind of game, um, and it's gonna, not going to be for the faint of heart. You, you've got it. It's big boy football here. Mm-hmm. Michigan's coming to town, and not only a really good outfit, but a team that will just try to blow you off the ball and try to knock you on your behind. So, uh, again, you would like to have Luke Reimer, but – I don't think this is a game where you can run the risk of playing somebody that is iffy, especially considering all the remaining games on this schedule are against league opponents. And considering the, just the amount of players they've played on defense. Again, Luke Reimer is a great player, one of the leaders on the team. But you have a lot of players stepping up on defense. And, you know, it may not be one player is replacing Luke Reimer, but a collection of two or three of them. Yeah, and Nick Henrich, he missed the opening game of the season. He did not play at Minnesota, but when he's been on the field, he's been extremely productive. So he is the other uh, inside backer along with Luke Reimer. Yes, Luke's a great player. He's chasing, you know, second on Nebraska's all-time tackles list. He might get there if he stays healthy throughout the course of this season. Um, And he's a veteran voice for this defensive unit. Coaches love him too, by the way, and how could you not? He is such a great guy. But if you don't have him for this game, it's not going to make or break your season. No, it, it would hurt you more to not have a guy like Luke Reimer playing against Northwestern, Purdue, Maryland, Iowa later in the season. Yeah. So you have to look at this in a long-term eyeglass, so to say. So Nebraska has other pieces at linebacker too. If Nick, uh, if Nick Henrich slides over, uh, Makai Bayer has had a very impressive season so far. Uh, and they have other guys that I feel like can fill the void. They're no Luke Reimer, but they're still very serviceable uh, players. Not to mention, y- you got to be able to tackle. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're first string or third string playing linebacker. When you're facing the Wolverines, they're going to line up, they're going to come at you, and you must be able to tackle the ball carrier. Yeah, uh, and, I, and I imagine they worked on it. I think Tony White said it was Bloody Tuesday Correct today where they're, they're hitting, and they're hitting hard. Um, one of the and, other and that's not that, just the this week kind of thing, by no, the that's way, for anybody watching or listening. Bloody Tuesday, that goes back to fall camp for this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Matt Rule and his coaching staff, they want a, an identity of toughness and physical at the point of attack. So they have been having these Bloody Tuesday practices going all the way back to August. It just so happens that this story surfaces on the week of the Michigan Michigan game because it really aligns with the narrative Mm -hmm. uh, of this game, of being a game won between the trenches. And that's one of the intriguing things of this matchup is 
Michigan, uh, defending Big Ten champion, likely college football playoff team again this year. Their blueprint is to run the football and be physical. What does Matt Rule want to do? Run, run the, the football, football and be physical. So you have the team that has established that identity and had success doing it. And now you have them facing the program that wants to do that. Yeah, you heard Rule yesterday talk about it again when he was talking about scaffolding and, and building a program. Sounds like he has a lot of respect for Jim Harbaugh and the way he's built that program. Um, well, and to kind of just add on to that, um, I think from a – from a defensive side of the things, you know, we heard from Tony White today. Um, the blueprint is obviously what Matt Rule would love to kind of uh, approach like Michigan. But you also like look back to last year and this Michigan team came in. Blake Corum had 162 rushing yards against Nebraska last year. That's the most by a Michigan running back in the history of these two teams playing. So um, they want to have flipped the script from last year. The, the last year's game hasn't been brought up at all. Uh, but it's the, it's pretty much the same team, you know what I mean, coming to town. So um, interesting comments from Rule yesterday. Same thing with Tony White's day, talking a lot about the here right now, less about, uh, you know, Michigan, kind of about Bloody Tuesday and practice and what they're going to be like. But just overall, it's, it's, it's going to be a test. The one other interesting thing I heard today is it sounds like, again, to bolster the running back death, depth, Joshua Fleeks, wide receiver, again, guy we've heard about because he played for Coach Rule at Baylor, is taking some snaps at running back now, and, you know, who knows, may see some time there come game time. I think it's really interesting Josh Fleeks hasn't really seen the field as a wide receiver, considering, you know, his age, his experience, and his familiarity uh, with Matt Rule and what he believes. So I think they're just trying to find a way to get him on the field. Mm-hmm. And he does have some history playing the running back spot. And given Nebraska's current situation with Gabe Irvin out for the season, along with Ramir Johnson, and then there was that moment against the Louisiana Tech in the Louisiana Tech game where Anthony Grant left the field. And I'm sure in that moment, the coaching staff were like, oh, boy. You know, like, and yeah. Emmett Johnson came in, and I know uh, the staff is a big fan of Emmett Johnson and what he brings to the table, but he's still young. He doesn't have a ton of experience. So if you can maybe get five touches out of Josh Fleeks at that spot just to give Anthony Grant. See, that's the thing. Anthony Grant is going to need to get a break. Mm-hmm. He's going to need a breather. Not just this week, but all throughout of October, and to make sure that he doesn't run out of gas at the end of the season, kind of like he did last year. you got to keep those legs fresh. So though he welcomes the big workload, strategically – and wisely, you need to make sure he's not taking every single snap at, from the running back spot. So you have to have another option. And as they explore that, that's where Josh Fleeks comes into the discussion. And there's a big difference. You know, again, uh, Quint Knives and a lot of those young running backs, Emmett Johnson, they'll be good players. But there's a big difference between putting in an 18- or 19-year-old versus someone like Josh Fleeks, who's, I'm not sure how old he is, but he's been playing football a long time. He's 22, 23, 24 probably. So there's a big difference in, in putting in guys with that big of an age difference. Well, and I saw him actually taking handoffs, warming up against Louisiana Tech. He didn't get any play at running back, but uh, this is a guy that even Alex Bullock today was talking about just knows more in practice and on the field and sometimes does stuff that 
he even picks up notes like, oh, how did you know to be there in that spot? So I think this is just a guy that's seen a lot of football. Uh, Cedar Hill High School in the DFW area, he rushed for over 600 yards in Texas football as a junior in high school. So he knows what he's doing in that regard. Uh, and I actually think it would be nice to see him get carries, as, as you guys just mentioned, to take the workload off of Anthony Grant. There's nothing against Emmett Johnson or Quentin Ives, but these guys are very green and new to, to a college football running back position. Anything else from the pressers between yesterday and today that really kind of caught your guys' attention? No, this is a team that is just trying to not get too caught up in the matchup and more just worry about getting themselves better. Go one and um, and, and that's very Matt Rule, you know. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I feel like they want to give Michigan their best their best shot. Um, you didn't. There was no bulletin board material. Mm-hmm. There was no. We feel we can do this against them. It was just more, we've got to tackle when we need to tackle. We need to stay on their assignments. you got to stay on your keys. And um, I think one thing that might really be a big factor in this game is limiting big plays. Mm-hmm. And for Michigan, a lot of big plays aren't flashy plays. They are just off tackle, make a guy miss, and go. Yep. And, and so, forty-yard uh, touchdown. Or... You know, this defense is going to get tested. The, Nebraska's defense, number one rush defense in college football right now, a very stout group. But how do they match up against this Michigan front? Uh, and some of the guys played against the Wolverines last year, and they wa- they remember it, and they shared with us that that was a very physical game. Mm-hmm. And some guys, again, I, I had read some material coming out of Michigan, remember the game from two years ago. Um, again, the Adrian Martinez fumble at the very end was was the play stopped, was it not? Uh, and again, that environment that night was was great. Michigan players remember that, so they're excited to come here, and I'm sure they'll put their best foot forward. Um, in terms of <clears throat> defense, you mentioned it, but Nebraska number one rushing defense in the country, Michigan's defense. Uh, they're right up there. They've only allowed 23 points in four games, so they're it's like 5.8 points per game. The number three uh, total defense for Michigan, Nebraska coming in number six in rushing offense. So some top top flight offenses and defenses in, in terms of rushing and just overall defense. It will be an interesting uh, chess match to watch. But here are the opponents that Michigan has played so far. East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, and Rutgers. So make of that what you wish. You know, they haven't had a ranked opponent to go up against yet. Nebraska played Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not saying that Nebraska's played the most ambitious schedule to this point. No. But they have played a league opponent already. They have played a top 25 team in Colorado. And then Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech, those are the two softer games on the Husker schedule. But still games in which you feel like you got a better sense of what Nebraska is now and what its potential at the end of the year could be. Uh, the spotlight is just so big on Michigan because everybody talks about the college football playoff, mm-hmm. and this is a team that most would consider a college football playoff qualifier. Mm-hmm. But going off of four games and with those opponents, I feel nationally folks are giving Michigan a lot of the benefit of the doubt just based on you know the margin of victory, which has been big. They have not allowed more than seven points yet this season. And a lot of the benefit of the doubt that they get is based on what they did last year. Yep. Because, as Chase mentioned, so much of this team returns from their 2022 squad. 
Chase, well, uh, Kevin just picked up on it, and I, I thought it was interesting. I read it was in The Athletic. They ranked all 133 teams uh, in FBS. Michigan, they had ranked eighth. Uh, not second, like they are in the AP poll, coaches poll. They had them ranked eighth, and they actually have Ohio State and Penn State ranked ahead of Michigan. The And Kevin brought up the teams that Michigan's played. If you look at their rankings in that one, uh, 133 uh, list, uh, East Carolina's 97, UNLV's 85, Bowling, Gris, Bowling Green is 121, and Rutgers would be their toughest opponent of the year at 57. Well, I think, you know, you can kind of – you can look at those numbers. You can look at different rankings, right? We can sit here all day and look at stats. Um, but I will say that just on just looking at the tape and on the field, Nebraska's defense is going to be the toughest defense that Michigan has seen this year. Um, and I think the run game is going to have – it's not good. Blake Corum's – I don't – I'd be surprised if he runs for over 160 yards like he did a season ago. Uh, that would be a disappointment from Tony White's group. Uh but I think this is still a very talented Michigan team, and J.J. McCarthy is very good. They're averaging over 13 yards per completion this season, uh, and even against not the greatest opponents like Rutgers or East Carolina, st- being able to have chunk plays like that is still impressive because that's saying that your offense is moving the ball efficiently and at big at big plays at times. Deshaun Singleton, after the game, said he thinks the rush defense is the best in the country, which – Ranking-wise, it is for Nebraska, or one of. And he said it puts all of the pressure now to put the load on the secondary. And I think that's going to what it's going to come down to against Michigan. Like Blake Corum is a fantastic running back, and he might go for 100 yards and two touchdowns, but the ability to throw the ball is, on both sides, going to be a deciding factor for me against Michigan to put up a respectable fight. In that ranking of all the teams, the Athletic had Nebraska ranked 80th. I thought that seemed about right. They had Minnesota ranked 90th. So, Well, Chase just hit on a really important thing that we've heard from both Matt Rule and now Marcus Satterfield on Tuesday, and that there has been a consistent message of we must be able to throw the football. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also saying we will do whatever it takes to win. In the last two weeks, Nebraska hasn't really had to throw the football. No. You know, and if we, we, we discussed Heinrich Harburg's completion percentage uh, following the game on Saturday, it's not overly impressive. Um, but as the competition cranks up a little bit, and by cranks up, it is going to skyrocket this week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're going to put guys in the box. They're going to try to shut down the Heinrich Harburg option run game. And then that's where a lot of pressure is going to be on the Carney Catholic grad to be able to throw the football. And that's not hitting big plays. That's just, you know, managing the, the drives, uh, making sure that you're moving the sticks on third and four. Mm-hmm. And maybe if you throw it on first down, completing the pass, you have second and two, not second and ten. Mm-hmm. Second and ten, third and eight. It's going to be challenging for Nebraska. Just try to play a, uh, from the front of the chains and see what will happen. I'm not ruling Nebraska out in this game. I, I think that they can hang with Michigan, but I think that they may wear down. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Chase, it sounded like you were going to add something there. Oh, well, when you mentioned that Minnesota ranking, I was going to say Minnesota's taken a interesting turn uh, this season, but enough about them. Uh, to, to kind of what Kevin was just saying, you know, needing to be able to throw the ball down the football field, uh, I think 
Yeah, it's, it's what's going to come down to. And breaking down uh, this rush defense and the way that they cycle out players, we'll see if Luke Reimer plays, um, has been very successful and staying fresh legs. But the secondary, I think, is potentially could struggle against Michigan. And the offense is going to need to be able to throw the ball because, as Kevin just mentioned, they're going to they're gonna attack the option. Like, this is a Michigan team that's going to have basically two weeks of film of Heinrich Harburg, and they know already that he's maybe pitched it out to Anthony Grant once. I not only that, that's me not even knowing for sure. I haven't looked at the all 22 or Kevin's up top camera from the last game, but you know, he, his tendency is to hold the ball. They know mm. that. And so if they know that, then you're not even they're The outside contains not even having to read Anthony Grant. He's just going for Harburg. So, I think there's going to be some things that Michigan's defense has got figured out, and Nebraska's going to have to throw the ball to be successful. But I think – I agree with Kevin. I think they could stay competitive in this game because of their defense. I don't think Michigan is going to just have instant success. They'll, they'll score, but I don't think it's going to be just easy like it's been the first few weeks. Chase, would you believe me if I told you that – if the Huskers win this weekend, it would be will their. Will they storm the field? It will be their fir- would be their first three game winning streak since 2016, when they started the season six and zero under Mike Riley, and be their first win over a ranked opponent since when? Oh. It would be the Michigan State game under Mike Riley. Yeah. The so Brandon you got to go. Yeah, you got to go back line. quite a ways. Would they storm the field? No. Yes. You think so? Absolutely. It's the number two team in the country. You, you have I to. suppose that's true. I mean, this is a national championship that's contender, true. Bill. That's true, yeah. And I was going to add that, too, as Chase was kind of talking about, you know, what Nebraska needs to do to win. Um, I don't, what, what's the spread right now? Nebraska underdog by more than a couple touchdowns? 18, 18 is the last yeah. that I saw it. Okay, so Nebraska's a, an 18-point underdog. They're playing a team that is going to contend for a national championship, you would presume, this year. Uh, the defending league champions – if Nebraska were to somehow pull this off, it would be not just the best day of the Matt Rule era, which is going to only be five games in on Saturday, yeah. but it's going to be the best day for Nebraska football since when? I'd say like, we're talking that four Oregon, or five. Oregon win at home under I'd, I'd go even more than that. This is a national championship yeah. contender. Yeah. And uh, an, an element that, as I was, I kind of got off on a little tangent here, but Chase was talking about keys to the game. Uh, let's not leave out the fact that this is at Memorial Stadium. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be a charged-up crowd. Yeah. Matt Rule and this coaching staff—they've enjoyed coaching in Lincoln. They've really taken it all in, and they're not too big to think about what a cool opportunity this is, and to really recognize the history at this program and the building in which they are coaching. But they did that against Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech. I've got to assume at 2.30 when Toe hits the leather on Saturday, that place is going to be rocking. And there is going to be some electricity in there, and not the kind of electricity we had just this past Saturday. <laughs> no lightning. It is going to be a charged-up atmosphere, and maybe one of those hair-stand-up-on-your-arms kind of games. Yeah. So if Nebraska can stay competitive, this could be a really entertaining watch for Husker fans and anybody in college football because with Michigan – there are playoff implications. Uh, Chase, um, 
as we get ready to kind of put a bow, at least on football stuff, again, we're a quarter way through the season. Can you give me your kind of good, better, best four games into the 2023 season? Good, better, best. So highlights of this team. Um, the good for just Nebraska you're talking about? Yeah. Uh, I would say the good's been the special teams. Uh, Brian Buschini, really good game last week. Um, he is an NFL-level punter, I believe. Tristan Alvano, it's you've liked what you've seen from him. He hasn't been in too many pressure situations. Uh, missed a few kicks, but uh, that will happen. And just overall clean special teams. Be- better has been uh, probably just the guy stepping up, you know, this is a whole different team than we saw four weeks ago. We had Jeff Mm -hmm. Sims. We had uh, Ramir Johnson and Gabe Irvin Jr. as our like key pieces of the offense. And and Isaiah Garcia Castaneda wide receiver. And he's out. Yeah. This is all of a sudden a a different makeup of a team. So the better has been the guys playing better than expected that had to play. And then the best has been the rush defense. Um, You know, just completely shutting down Louisiana tech. That's in my opinion, Louisiana tech, Northern Illinois, decent team but louisiana tech is a team that will probably make a bowl game uh louisiana tech already a pretty strong start to the season and just completely neutralized on the run game um obviously they were able to throw the ball a decent amount but uh so that's been my best those are those are my three um the special teams is the good the better is the player stepping up and the best is the rush defense so far you agree disagree the good's the coaching I think the coaching has been good, having guys ready to step up and fill in when some of these injuries have hit. Uh, And Tony White really makes the coaching good Mm -hmm. because we've seen the multiplicity of his 3-3-5 defense and the way that it can really yield great results on the field. So the good is the coaching, in my opinion. The the better is Nash Hutmaker. Uh, I think he has really improved and anchors uh, that defense up front. And the best is the secondary. I think they're the they're defending the pass really well, and I think that they're tackling extremely well. And uh, that sort of aligns with what Chase says with the run defense being the best. I think the run defense is so good because the guys on the back end tackle so well. Mm-hmm. And they're also tasked with trying to defend on the pass, and I think that they've really done a nice job outside of, I would say, about a quarter and eight minutes of the Colorado game. Mm-hmm. I think if you remove that, that secondary has played at an A, if not A-plus level. So that's my good, better, best. Good like coaching, it. better. Nash, best, defensive backfield. I think those are both very good lists. Uh, anything else football-wise you want to talk about, touch on? No? All right, well, we'll shift to volleyball. Oh, sorry. Uh, the pause. Uh, the game's on Fox. Yep. You know where I'm going with this. I do. The broadcast team. My guy, Jason Benetti, is on the play-by-play. Analyst Brock Heward. Sideline reporter will be Allison Williams. Jason Benetti, you may turn on the TV and start listening and say, I know that voice. Where have I heard that from? Uh, He's the current play-by-play voice of the Chicago White Sox. He also does some national broadcasts. Even more notably, he has done many college basketball broadcasts alongside Bill Walton. And he put he puts up with some of the Bill Walton shenanigans <laughs> better than anybody on those broadcasts, and that's where he's got an amazing voice. And if you follow him on Twitter X, whatever you want to call it, he always takes a picture of the venue in which he's calling a game, and then he says, first person you think of," 
and it's kind of taken on its own little oh. social f- media phenomenon, and I love it. Because huh. he, he, he does everything. He, he does baseball, does college basketball, does college football. In my opinion, I think he's one of the best play-by-play guys out there right now. Jason yeah. Benetti, you guys are going to enjoy the call on All right, Saturday. yeah, I will be looking forward to the call then uh, this weekend. 2.30 kick, again, the line as of yesterday was 18. The over-under was 40. Um, it's volleyball. They went 2-0 last week, two sweeps. Uh, against number 21, Ohio State, and number 12, Minnesota, both at home. They entered this week now, uh, ranked number two still behind Wisconsin. Both those teams are 11-0, but the gap between them is closing a little bit. Nebraska with six first-place votes, Wisconsin with 58 first-place votes, but their total points in their ranking are only separated by about 60 points or so. Uh, Bergen-Riley, Big Ten setter of the week, Big Ten freshman of the week, and they're on the road this week for two matches, Purdue and Indiana. They have two more road matches after that as well. Mm-hmm. So for fans that have been watching them at the Devaney Center, hopefully you've enjoyed that. I believe their next home match is not until mid-October. So uh, this team is young. They're going to get tested uh, on the road this week with the matches you just mentioned, Bill. Um, and it's not just this week. They're going to have to turn right back around and go on the road. They have, I believe, Michigan State and Michigan uh, next week. So uh, the competition isn't going to be Ohio State and Minnesota-level competition, but it's the Big Ten, no nights Mm -hmm. off. And the bigger storyline with volleyball this week is that Jordan Larson will be joining the team. She is now done helping the U.S. Olympic uh, women's team qualify for the 2020 Games in Paris. So they got that done over the weekend, and now Jordan's going to be back on campus here this week. And here's uh, John Cook talking about that very thing from earlier today. Well, I'm fired up. She's another Husker. She's a great player. She wants to be a coach. She wants to be at Nebraska. Uh, she's very passionate about coaching. And uh, so that that energy and that you know fire, whatever you want to call it, you know, is contagious. And, and, and uh, I'm excited to be around somebody that's really passionate about Nebraska volleyball. It's just going to help build our energy, build our culture, all those things. You know, and she's got a lot of wisdom to tap into, a lot. She's got experiences none of us have. So, I mean, this team has already been, again, very good. But that's been with Jordan kind of coaching from afar maybe sending a few pointers here and there. Now she's there. She's on on the sideline. I'm more curious as to how is John Cook going to keep her busy during practice? Because (laughs) with the new uh, rules in place for college volleyball, you know, this position is new for everybody. Mm -hmm. Usually it was just a three-person full-time coaching staff. Now there's an additional body. And John Cook, you know, he's got the tried-and-true formula of how to operate a practice and how to – distribute some of the jobs that need to be done within a practice uh, with an extra set of hands. What what do you do with Jordan? Do you just let her walk around and inject feedback? Uh, so not to say that he doesn't know how to do this, but it is going to force John Cook to get a little creative yeah, and maybe redesign the way that he has his coaches operate during a daily practice. Uh, Jordan knows this team, though. Mm-hmm. She's been communicating with them throughout the uh, the season, even from afar as she was in Poland for the Olympic qualifier. She's been on Zoom calls with the coaching staff. She's been on Zoom calls with the team. And she's also been cutting up video and posting little notes on some of the um, software that they use to watch film 
and Jordan will put a little, hey, look where your feet are here. Mm-hmm. Look at how you transitioned here. So she's been very involved with coaching this team, though she hasn't been at practice and she hasn't been on the bench for matches. Chase uh, Cook says that she'll be working specifically with the outside hitters, which, again, you're talking well, Merritt Beeson, Harper Murray, uh, yeah, Allie Batenhorst. She's been Zooming with them, and Coach Cook went into a little bit of, like, coach talk about being able to clip plays and watch certain films. So the way that technology has advanced so much in the game, they're really able to go look at it. And he even made some interesting comments about um, the guy from Huddle and an old guy that was long. It's it's kind of, he went into the weeds about it. But long story short, yeah. It wasn't completely true, by the way. Yeah. He said that this guy got fired by Seamus McKnight, who works in Nebraska staff, but (laughs) not entirely true. Right, no, Kevin? It's, it, it's not true. But John Cook is always up for a good story. He shouted out a couple of notable names, including mm-hmm. Seamus, also David Graff, who's one of the uh, founders, CEOs of uh, Huddle, mm-hmm. which is now yeah. you know one of the great businesses and uh, in Lincoln and also a front runner uh, and a pioneer in terms of you know film watching and film distribution, not just in volleyball, but in all sports. It's yeah. used well, and th- globally. And that's kind of what I was saying that I think Larson, like it'll be even more helpful for her to be hands on and her to be like actually at the net with those outside hitters. But I think there's already been that relationship established where there will be times where, as Kevin mentioned, Cook will be like have coach Cook will have to like find something for Larson to do sort of, you know, it is different when you have an extra body. We even know in our sports department here at Tel Evan, sometimes when you have extra hands, you got to figure out where to use them. Right. Uh, But I think her relationship and already working and watching film from afar uh, will just already, is already kind of a helpful, right? It's not going to be deer in the headlights moment at all. So that first match uh, against Purdue Friday, 6 p.m. will be on BTN. And then Saturday, so they're playing back-to-back days too. Saturday at Indiana, also on BTN. And then the following Friday, Saturday, they're at Michigan State at Whoa, Michigan. Saturday's on BTN? Even with a college football Saturday, huh? I see BTN. It says BTN Fox Sports there, Saturday, September 30th. So right, What time like is it at? 6 p.m. 6 o'clock. Is, isn't that something? That BTN is going to air college volleyball. I don't care that it's Nebraska. On, the day, on a day of all the college football going on, that BTN is going to devote the 6 o'clock time slot is to it Nebraska volleyball. It doesn't say plus. It says BTN slash Fox Sports. So that, that is true. That's good stuff right there. That is really good stuff. And then like you mentioned, they're not back home uh, in Devaney until Friday the 13th of October. Oh, wow. Against Michigan State. Yeah. Well, and um, I think it'll be a good test for them. And both weekends, it's going to be tough. You know, luckily, Indiana and Purdue aren't too far from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited to see the Michigan game, even though it won't be at home, uh, because Harper Murray's sister, Kendall, plays on Michigan. She's from Ann Arbor. Their late father played three seasons as a Michigan Wolverine on the football team. So uh, that'll be an interesting matchup just because it's a it's a homecoming and a family ties. But um, Purdue's ranked. So there's there's, there's yeah. going to be some it's – still, it's still not easy, right? Um, the, this stretch of games is going to be a true test. Nebraska has had some challenging matches in West Lafayette. And Dave Shondell is a fantastic coach and a great guy, too. I got a chance to 
visit with him for quite a while at uh, Big Ten Volleyball Media Days uh, in 2022. And he was just floored that Nebraska had local television stations go to Chicago for Big Ten Volleyball Media Days. And he was picking my brain about, you know, um, how we cover the team and yeah. he wanted to know a little bit about myself. And um, I was very impressed with him. I've always been impressed with him uh, as a coach. And um, you know, he routinely gets his team into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that'll be uh, – and again, I remember Coach Cook saying a couple weeks ago, you know, this is one of the things they haven't done yet is played on back-to-back days. So I think this will be the first time this season they played on back-to-back well, they days. Had, they had the Emeritus Players Challenge early in the season where they played three straight days. Um, but but that, back-to-back those days games, on the road. Yes, those games weren't on the road and not against the same level of competition because they were playing Lipscomb, Utah State, SMU. Uh, but yeah, Purdue is going to probably be the toughest game coming up. All right, I'll say this about playing back-to-back days: these girls have all played club volleyball. <laughs> yeah, you play four matches on one day, and then you go to bed, and you come back the next day, and you play five matches. And if you're lucky enough, you come back the next day, you play three matches. Yeah, like playing on back-to-back days. Just one match. This isn't completely out of the norm. However, they are now college athletes; they have academics. Um, rest and recovery is very important. Um, but I don't know it, that it's that big of an ask when you're playing Purdue in Indiana on back-to-back days. Uh, it's one, it, It'd be different if you're playing Stanford and Louisville on back-to-back that days. Would be... like, and, and that's what the NCAA tournament is. And we yeah. have seen the tournament for regionals move away from Friday and Saturday or Saturday-Sunday for regional semis and regional finals, and now they do it Thursday and Saturday to give a day of rest and prep in there. Mm -hmm. It's just better for the overall product of the sport. But in terms of the regular season, you know, I get it. Back-to-back days, young team, not in your own bed. You're eating food on the go. But these girls have done this for a long time. They're, 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 I mean, they're, they're basically professionals at this point with all the club volleyball. That they probably played. All right, uh, turning to basketball really quick because we heard from Coach Amy Williams, Coach Fred Hoiberg today. They have their Husker Hoops opening night this Friday uh, at Pinnacle Bank Arena. <laughs> Chase is excited. Uh, and then the season doesn't start for another month. It's not until the end of October that they're actually playing uh, any games. Um, and again, like you'd expect, I suppose, uh, from any sort of preseason press conference, both, both coaches sound pretty excited about the teams that they have. Amy Williams it's preseason. Of course they're excited about yeah. the teams they have, Bill. Yeah. Well, Tell me a press conference before the season where a coach said, you know what, I'm not quite sure about my guys <laughs> or gals. I don't know how it's this never season's going to go. No, it hasn't. But Amy Williams coming off two WNIT wins, got to the round of 16 last year. Fred, uh, again, obviously they got left out of any postseason play. Bringing in a bunch of new additions, Rink Mast, uh, Josiah Alec. Uh, Bryce Williams, who else? Chase, I'm gonna miss uh, Ma- Ma- Matar Diop. I think is how you say it. Uh, Matar, uh, I think it's actually Jope. Jope, like Hope with the J is what the pronunciation guide says. And then yeah, Boogie, Boogie. Coleman, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, or Jerron Coleman, Aaron Ulis from Iowa, who is still pending NCAA um, punishment sanctions. We don't really know. And Hoiberg's comments today were just we're working with it, and some and there was a question asked like some teams have kind of just let these players out the door, just speaking on Ulysses in particular, and Hoiberg had a good response saying he's a good player, two years eligibility left, you know, at, right now he's at least 
coaching up our young guys, providing um, influence and helpfulness in practice. And he's a guy who started in the Big Ten. So, uh, but yeah, a lot of new faces. Eli Rice, talented mm-hmm. freshman, is a new face. Um, so this is a it's a new roster for me covering the team for the first year, but it's uh, it's a whole new roster as well for Husker fans with I believe seven new new faces on the team. And they're the I didn't know this, and I kind of surprised when Fred said it today. They're the oldest team in the Big Ten. A lot of experience coming back. Yeah, and he Fred even admitted that the makeup of this team is a little bit different than what he's used to. You know, he likes positionless basketball, and he likes athletic players that can just really move all around the court. He said with this, he could set out a lineup that would play, quote, gigantic. Yeah. And, you know, of course, Fred's teams always have a big. You know, Derek Walker has been a really nice, productive player in the post. And uh, they've had um, Ivan Drogo in the past. And we saw a little bit of Blaze Keita last year. So they, they can run through the middle, but it's not a focus. But now, with the size that he has on the roster, they can get a little bit bigger and a little bit more, dare I say, Big Ten-esque. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe that's something that he has learned over the course of his time in the league. Maybe he's just trying to find somebody to finally shut down Zach Eady, who's back for his 19th season of college basketball. Yeah, I was hoping I would never have to see him again on an opposing bench, but yet here we are. Does not go to the NBA and comes back for another year. Uh, He did mention uh, Rashawn Gary, who's injured last year. He had his first uh, contact in practice this week. Um, Blaze Kata, they're still waiting uh, for his ankle to, I guess, fully heal. Um, so he's out right now. Casey's back. He just started uh, getting contact in practice after his run with the World Championships uh, with Japan. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's some interesting little nuggets in there. But yeah, again. a lot of updates. Um, a lot of players coming back. And I think uh, with Rashawn Gary, um, his time to be able to play over in Spain was really useful. Um, but a lot of new, a lot of players coming back, um, and this is a team that's like I feel like fully healthy besides Blaze um, at this point. They he Hoiberg uh, was talking about they have about 15 guys. They're rotating fives. Um, I was at the brief pro- portion of practice that was open today, and it was intense. A lot of conditioning um, as as Coach Hoiberg likes to run his practices and his offense. So. Um, this is going to be an exciting team. Yeah, ton of experience. One guy who's in his sixth year and five that are in their fifth years of basketball in the NCAA. A couple of guys we haven't mentioned, you know, and this is the, the fan appeal here is you've got Sam Hoiberg who played really well and became a star of his own late in the season because of the way he plays the game. You know, you talk about a local kid that just dives all over the floor and plays some really aggressive defense. And then hits and a he got, shots. And he got hit. standing ovations, you know, because yeah. it was Nebraska's injury situation uh, last year really made him go pretty far down uh, the bench. And there's Sam even got a start in there. So Sam's back and running a little bit of point in relief. And his confidence has to be high, given what he did at the end of last year. And then also uh, Cale Jacobson from Ashland Greenwood High School. And Cale was one of the better players on the court when they went to Spain this summer. So there's a little bit of local flavor. So as we talk about all the new guys, the seven newcomers, and the roster shift a little bit, and 
you know, where are they finding leadership because they don't have Derek Walker, Sam Greasel, Emmanuel Bandamel? Like, there are still some glue guys that uh, fans are really going to enjoy watching this year, and Jacobson and Hoiberg. Uh, and Fred said that Jawan Gary, in his opinion, is one of the best offensive rebounders in college basketball. And the guy plays with reckless abandon. And I think everybody would agree with Fred that when he went out with that injury, it really reshaped the whole season. And it seemed like Nebraska, with Jawan on the court, like they, they were just tough. They, they were. were a tough out. Yes. Um, teams did not want to come to Pinnacle Bank Arena and play Nebraska, but they lost some of their toughness with Juwan sidelined. Well, and you remember uh, last year, I think it was Bandamel. Juwan and Bandamel right. got black shirts from, from Trev. Right. Because they beat Creighton, and they played so great defensively against the Blue Jays, a team that almost went to the Final Four. Uh, so that team had a ton of potential, but they they suffered some crushing injuries. Mm-hmm. Um but hope, anew, hope is anew it because is. it's, uh, it's a, new a new season on the horizon. And uh, fans get to watch them on Friday with the opening night with Husker Hoops at Pinnacle Bank Arena. And your favorite, favorite musical artist, DDG. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to – I don't know if this ages me, but I don't know who that is. No one does. Okay. Chase, do you? I knew who it was, but it's, it wasn't like – not in my playlist, I guess, is what I'd say. So last year they had Waka Flocka. I do recognize that name, at least. So Going into that, I had no idea who that was. <laughs> Again, kind of like you're saying, Bill, like, I don't know who that is. Yeah. I ended up getting a selfie with Waka Flocka. There you go. He chatted me up for a little bit. I chatted him up. He was taking pictures. <laughs> he was a man of the people. There you go. Took all sorts of pictures and signed autographs. And he was, like, hanging out in the stands while Nebraska was scrimmaging. I was impressed with just him. Like, yeah. he, he could have just been backstage, yeah. just too cool for school. Back in his trailer. But he was, he was all in on Husker basketball. And, like, he even asked me, he's like, how heavy is that camera? And I go, you want to try? And he picked up the camera and goes, yeah, that's heavy. <laughs> you know? It's just me and Waka Flocka, you know? Just we're, we're boys. <laughs> Chase, so we talked right. yesterday. Did you get any shots up at practice today? No. Uh, I didn't, didn't think they needed me. Um, you know, I like some of the weave drills they were running. I, uh, I, I went like this to Casey. He just shot it. So, um, <laughs> I guess it's not. I guess uh, it just wasn't. Wasn't my day, but we'll see. You know, maybe, maybe if they do a media member basketball team, I'll, I'll, I'll pull out. I'll, I'll come out. I'll cheer you guys on hard from the sideline, but basketball's never been my forte. But you know, as as you know, a testament to the Huskers right now, they don't need me in Spain. They they needed guys. They were really thin, eight or nine guys total. They, they have a a full roster, and it's kind of fun to see a healthy team, kind of going at it. And Hoiberg makes them work. That's what I'll say. That's true. All right. Enough shenanigans from us. Again, you can see all the press conference availability from Hoiberg, from Amy Williams, John Cook, coordinators, players. It's all on 1011now.com. It's all on the uh, End Report Husker Show podcast. If you want to listen instead of watch, it's all on there. Uh, So, again, a ton of of great content coming out of of all the availability today. So uh, you can check it out there. So anything else from you guys before we let everyone go? 
Awesome. All right. So in the 1011 Now Streaming Studio, this has been another episode of the End Report Husker Show. Thanks so much for listening and for watching. Please make sure to like and subscribe to that 1011 Now YouTube channel. And as always, keep it tuned to 1011 for all the latest news, weather, and sports. For Kevin Suits and Chase Madison, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. I'm Bill Rentschler. Have a good one. You've been listening to the End Report Husker Show from 1011. Watch, listen, and stream on the 1011 Now app on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. For 